Let's have a word of prayer. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We'll be engaging the screen this time. A man came across four stonecutters and asked them what they were doing. The first one replied wearily, I'm cutting stone. The second replied, I'm earning a paycheck. Paycheck. The third kept on hammering, didn't have time to really stop while he said, I'm in the process of becoming the best stone cutter in the nation. The fourth one looked up when asked this question with a visionary gleam in his eye and he said, I'm building a cathedral. For many people, they view their lives like the first mason who's just cutting stone. Before long, you feel like this. And without a doubt, many of us indeed fall prey to feeling that the daily grind is is meaningless, consisting of tasks performed over and over again without any real progress. For those who floss every night, do you ever ask yourself the question, didn't I just do this last night and the night before, and here I am again? In the myth of Sisyphus, We roll the boulder up the hill only to have it fall down the other side once it's gotten to the top, and then we roll it up again. For those who feel, uh, there's the myth of Sisyphus, for those who feel that life is just one darn thing after another, I think we can all relate at times. Or there are many, perhaps all of us at times, who view life like the second stone cutter. Stone cutting is a way to get a paycheck. Now, I may not like what I'm doing here, it may not be meaningful to me, but it's a necessary economic transaction. A person's got to live and put food on his or her table. Hmm? Or the third guy who is engaged in a quest to be the best. Now, this guy is aiming at something higher, right? He's going to commit himself to excellence, making a name for himself. Now, there's much to be said for this, of course, and yet, what do you think? Is it, in the final analysis, meaningful to simply become the best at what you do? No, it isn't. If that's the primary motivator, it is finely narcissistic. It's all about me, me, me. I think we have a picture of a narcissist here. Then there is the fourth stone cutter. I'm building a cathedral. I'm building a cathedral. This stone cutter is helping to create something much bigger than himself. 
Now, we don't build many cathedrals today, do we? So this is a metaphor for something beautiful and big and transcendent. Now, the next picture is not a mistake. It's a family at play. And it is indeed beautiful and transcendent. Luther made it clear that this calling and this objective is transcendent. And what on earth, you may be wondering, do stonecutters and Homer Simpson have to do with the Ten Commandments? Well, I'm glad I asked. The Ten Commandments are not rules that we are to follow in the spirit of the first three stone cutters, nor is this the way life should be lived. God's expectations of you are not about meaningless repetition, personal gain, or self-achievement, although there's nothing wrong with those things in their place, for sure. The Ten Commandments are about building a cathedral, i.e. participating in something of great value that is much bigger than yourself, being a co-creator with the living God of a much more trustworthy world than perhaps is currently the case. You see, God is at work in the world at this very moment and always, bringing forth life, protecting life, and inviting all lives to share in the dance. The commandments are expectations that we will work for life, not death. Well, that sounds lofty. What in the world? Uh, how in the world would I ever go about doing that? Well, it's not complicated, really. The lawyer in Luke summed it all up, and Jesus heartily agreed. Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, and love your neighbor. You don't need to know more than that. That's how you co-create a more trustworthy world with God. Work towards the flourishing of your neighbor's life. How can each of us, in all that we do, anytime, anywhere, seek the well-being, the flourishing of our neighbor's life in all of the dimensions of his or her life? That's the Ten Commandments. Now, sometimes, a qualifier, we, we think the Ten Commandments aren't so much about love, but just avoiding bad things. Don't do this, don't do that, don't steal, don't kill, and the like. You know, how to keep your nose clean. <laughs> but if that was the case, if it was only things not to do, you could obey the commandments by locking yourself in a room and never interacting with other people. Yay, I never talk to people, but I have a perfect score. The Ten Commandments. The commandments, however, are much more than a prohibition from killing, stealing, or lying. Luther helped us to see the truth of that. The Ten Commandments mean positively helping your neighbor succeed. How many of you have been through uh, confirmation and memorized the meanings of the commandments? Yeah. And you still have it memorized, right? By asked you to come up front. You could, you could do it. Okay, let's look at the meaning of the fifth commandment. You shall not murder. Okay, what does it mean? We are to fear and love God. You remember that part, right? 
so that we neither endanger nor harm the lives of our neighbors, what not to do. But here's the key part, and I quote, but instead, help and support them in all of life's needs. That's a little more positive and proactive. We want nothing short of seeing our neighbor's life flourish. And that is a cathedral worth building. Many people are afraid to add God or faith to their lives because they're already too busy and overworked. They don't need to add more functions to their life, more things they need to do to their lives. But what if growing your faith, what if growing, uh, growing in your faith and in your sense of calling in life doesn't add more things to your life, more functions as it were, but instead adds more value to what you're already doing every day? In other words, what if faith in God allow you to see every day that anywhere, anytime, you're not just cutting stone, earning a paycheck, trying to be somebody, but you are co-creating with God a more trustworthy world, helping your neighbor and your neighbor's life to flourish. Building a cathedral. Many people think that including God in your life means, well, I better go to church. Got to go to church. So if you want God in your life, you better add church to your life. But what do the commandments say? Not to get down on church here. You know, my, my calling is kind of dependent on church being here. But what do the commandments say? Love God, love neighbor. Where does that happen? Only in church? Is that where you go to love your neighbor and love God? Hopefully, you do that when you're here. Of course not. <laughs> it's in life. It's out there. In our homes, at work, at school, at play. That's where we're the stone cutters that build the cathedrals. Your first and most important neighbors are your own family members. They are a special calling. That's why I slipped in the picture of the Simpsons swimming together at the watering hole. But let's get even more real. I have a picture here for you. Here is a picture of little David Zachary Barak, uh, born to our members, Christina and Adam. And here's a lovely picture of the three of them together. I want to suggest to you no neighbor is more important to Christina and Adam than David. So doing all they can to create a trustworthy world filled with love and not shame is imperative for them. That means changing David's diaper is an act of love, and it is the Lord's work, and it's part of the Ten Commandments. Luther was emphatic about that, by the way, that those functions like changing diapers are indeed the Lord's work. Luther taught us that each of us are called to vocations, stations in life where we spend a lot of time, 
And in each of these stations, God is at work with us and through us creating a more trustworthy world as mothers and fathers, grandmothers and grandfathers, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, neighbors, friends, co-workers, and practitioners of whatever it is that we do for a living. And as members of this faith community, we too share in the work to help David Zachary's life flourish. Our baptismal vows will seal that when the time comes for David to be baptized. My favorite scene in the movie Nobody's Fool, starring Paul Newman, is to the point. He plays the role of Sully, who is kind of an in, independent, uh, rogue sort of figure, is not accountable to anybody. He's alienated himself from his son, from his grandson, and from his best friend. Sully learns throughout the movie, though, that those people, in fact, look to him and need him, that he can make a meaningful difference in their lives. At the pivotal point in the story, a younger woman who's fallen for Sully wants to run off with him, and at any other point in his life he probably would have, but now he can't. And as she tears up, understanding the importance of what he's saying, Sully says, I can't, I can't go. I, I just learned that I'm somebody's father, somebody's grandfather, and I'm somebody's friend. I need to honor these callings, is what he's saying. He realized that he's a stonecutter who's making cathedrals. What does that mean for you, with those closest to you? But loving your neighbor also means neighbors who are not quite family and friends, but maybe they're quite close nonetheless. What does it mean for us to help the lives of our friends at Casa to flourish? They're pretty close to us. They gather in here weekly. What does it mean if one of them is going to be deported? One of their members who was welcomed here as an act of faith. What if some of Casa's youth are DACA kids? If we are co-creators with God of a more trustworthy world, what role do we then play? Is there one? With these brothers and sisters in Christ whom God has sent to us. You may or may not be aware there are 800 Christian churches in America that are sanctuary churches because they have a calling to neighbors such as these. That's something a congregation has to discern. It's not for everyone. Again, the question is, who is my neighbor? What does love mean for my neighbor? It is a distinctly Lutheran idea that we have been set free by a loving God, set free to love our neighbor. We are set free from our fatal preoccupation with ourselves so that we can be present with our neighbor. It is immensely important to gather here each week to be reminded that life is so much more than a paycheck or personal accomplishment. It's being a part of the movement of God in the world. And in our freedom, we realize that we're not supposed to do everything 
but that God calls us to do certain things and let other things go. With God, maybe our to-do lists will get shorter and we'll be able to say no more often, feel less overwhelmed. As a faith community, our central task moving forward is learning how to let God lead us. How are our gifts as a congregation and our setting right here at St. Anthony Parkway to be used to help our neighbors flourish? One of our faith practices to cultivate is dwelling in the world. Not the word, but the world. Dwelling with our neighbors to look for God's presence there. To listen to our neighbors that we might know what it means to love them starting with your own family. So go from this place today knowing that you've been set free and sent to be stonecutters, co-creating with God a more life-giving world. Amen.